Welcome to the Dictate the Game podcast, um, the podcast associated with the Dictate the Game website, where we've got various articles, guides, analysis, and whatnot for you all to enjoy. Uh, we've got a full house uh, today, or tonight, as we're recording it, uh, all in you know various forms of isolation in various points of the globe. Uh, so we've got Old Lady Plays with us. Kate, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Good, good. We've got an article of yours to talk about today. Uh, we've also got Simon joining us as well from a different sunny location to normal, I think. Hey, greetings from sunny Sydney. How are you doing? Uh, I'm right at the end of my stint in quarantine, so I have spent uh, 14 days locked in a room at the uh, Hyatt Regency of Sydney. I will say it has been a pretty good experience, actually. I've, I've, I'm a bit surprise, surprise, a bit of an isolationist anyway. So like most FM players, I think. Um, and I've been able to put in a bit of time on FM. I've watched a lot of Netflix um, and uh, I got my medical release last night. So I am out of here uh, as of uh, about two, uh, three and a quarter, oh, sorry, two and a quarter hours from now. So there you go. It's all good. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, I think isolation, quarantine and lockdown has been pretty good for catching up on netflix and i've got through a few things um, and on that front we've also got luke as well uh how you doing luke good evening i'm well two days off work now we're done easter batch is over yeah baby um, baby's easter well that's two days we might be made about vampires and 500 hot cross buns it's a good amount of hot cross buns um yeah that's, that's so, a healthy amount so so yeah, I'm looking forward to two days off now. Well, enjoy those whilst yeah. you can. Hopefully, fit some FM in. And if if you can't, there's also some reading you can do on the on the website as well, Luke. If you want to, because we've had a few articles. See how smoothly I did that. Uh, very, very, very. Yeah, uh, we've had. Um, I think in between now and the last podcast, we had an article about why we love FM, where we had a chat about that, and I think a few people have been talking about that. Um, just generally online. Now we've got more time to play FM, so there's that one up there. Ryan did not. I don't think we were the only one if he talked about it either, were we? No, it's a very, no very, very popular popular subject. It's uh, bound, bound to happen. Another tweet came out about, oh, I don't know. It's actually coincidence it came out about a day later. Yeah, but to be fair, Football Manager Official had also done it before us, I think. So I think it's just great minds by that by that stage. But we've also got one from Ryan as well about the best free transfers for the winter update. Um, actually, some names on there I actually recognise. Not, not always for good reasons, but I recognise some of those names. Um, I did one on mods and add-ons, basically because I've just been raving about the face pack you can add from um, Chilled Moose. Uh, which you can get. There's a little isolation pack that they did, so you can download some faces that are better than the ones that are actually in the game. And you can put them into your game if you want, and various other things I do to add to my game. So I put that one up. Um, but the article we're probably going to talk about first, or in more detail, I'll probably say, is the one from Old Lady Plays about Athletic Club, so the guide to hard mode. And I think it probably is fair to say it is hard mode, isn't it? Yeah, it's certainly been, because... Um, for those who don't actually know, the Athletic Club, which some people know as Athletic Bilbao, but it's they call it Athletic Club, um, is Basque only. So they are picking from a pool of about one and a half million people 
um, which is, you know, what, four times the size of Iceland or something like that. But they're picking for, that's the only people they will play. So you can't, there's very little transfer activity. I, I rarely buy more than one or two players a year, if that, and usually they're prospects um, who are Basque or um, the one exception that you're allowed is if they're 16 and Spanish, you can buy them until they're until they turn 17 when you can no longer do it. So you have to identify the talent at 16 or earlier and buy them then. So, for instance, my main striker in my in my current save is uh, Jose Ramon Munoz, who has graduated from. I bought him when he was 16 for 38 million euros. <laughs> Wow. For a six for a sixteen year old. But I tell you what, he has turned into an absolute star. He is uh being considered for uh world under twenty one player of the year. He's uh, he's been leading the line for the team since he was seventeen. You know, he's he's just been he's been marvelous. Uh he nearly he got I think second uh tops goal scorer in La Liga last year at twenty one or twenty, I should say. So yeah, it's it's been fantastic. And so anyway, the 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 whole point before I go start talking about my save entirely, the whole point of the article was about the things that you need to do to be successful as the athletic club manager, and that is specifically youth development. You have to really really work on youth development. You have to know when to put your guys out for loan, when not to, and you know, balance all of those things with trying to maintain a B side and an under 19 side um, and theoretically a C side as well. But I don't actually use that. Um, I leave it empty so I don't have to pay for the coaches. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, it, it's it's a great uh, it's a great challenge. And I really enjoyed uh, I really enjoyed doing it. So I thought it would make a good thing to write about. How many seasons into it because it's on your youtube channel as well isn't it right i'm on i'm on my eighth season in fact the, the mid-season update for the eighth season comes out tomorrow so you've actually had a good chance to see the youth develop as well then exactly actually. oh yeah yeah so i mean i've i've got most of my team are products of of the youth academy there's a there's a few that i've bought in but um like keppa um i'm the goalkeeper i bought him in because He's, he was just somewhat better than Unai Simon, who was my, my initial goalkeeper, and who was quite good and, and who did fairly well for us. But when we had a couple of players decide that they you know, wanted a new challenge and we got a lot of money for them, I just decided I'd you know, splurge and, and buy myself one of the better goalkeepers in the world, and it's made a difference. So, um, But it's nice to be in a position where I regularly have 180 million in my transfer budget and I rarely spend more than 25 or 30 of it. I'm quite jealous of that transfer fund, but I think it's like, you, it's like you're saying as well, isn't it? Your transfer pool is so much smaller that every, every transfer has got to have a lot more thought behind it. Exactly. Exactly. And I've made some mistakes. I bought some people that I shouldn't have bought and, and I've had to transfer them back out again. And that's that's pretty frustrating when you're dealing with such a small pool. You 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 really have to make sure you get them right the first time. Yeah, I will say there's something to be said for uh, creating sort of I guess 
not so much either self-imposed or club-imposed limitations on what you're doing with when it comes to recruiting and buying and scouting players. So for the for sure. the yeah for the Red Star save, I'm trying. Uh, my first priority is to keep and buy from uh, in my own uh, Red Star Alliance save is to buy players from within that group. So my club at the moment is sitting uh, there. We're very much a, a, a secondary sort of championship side. And so I'm able as part of the, our affiliates, uh, Marseille, Celtic, uh, some, even some Pauli, those guys tend to have, you know, a better talent than we do. So if there are players who are on the fringes of, of those clubs, I tend to be able to pick those guys up either on transfer or on loan or even free transfers at the end of the year. And, but by have by limiting myself to a player pool of about three or four hundred players, I get to know. And then when you start breaking that down by position, I know within that group there's probably only maybe a dozen decent sort of central defenders that I I would I would be I would uh, I would pick from in order to improve my squad. So, but by having that smaller network, I get to know uh, my scouts know these players really well. It takes it, some of the guesswork out of it. Um, and you know, within a group of three or four hundred players, you're still going to be able to find, um, you know, uh, uh, first team players for your own side as well. But create, having those limitations in place is sometimes a blessing rather than a curse. Yeah, I was um, reading something written by Black CFM the other day, um, and they were talking about uh, the the French literature concept of olipo, which um, is short for something or other that I can't remember. But it's um, basically the idea of imposing restrictions on yourself to make your creativity more vital. Yep. To to make you sort of work harder because you're putting yourself under restrictions. And I mean, certainly this has been something that's in my my life. Um, I've done a lot of writing of of things like sonnets and haiku and limericks and other really structured poetry forms. And the reason I do it is because I like the structure of the poetry form. I like having that restriction because it just feels like it's creatively charging for me. It fits in with the psychology of it all as well. Um, Yeah. Because psychology is my background and the more choice you give people, it doesn't actually make them any better at making the choice. So, Luke, you can pay attention to this one. On dating apps, if you give people... (laughs) (laughs) If you give people a bigger pool of potential people to pick from on a dating app, people just get more frustrated and they don't make better choices. Their own kind of, like, list of characteristics and... There's always a better one. Yeah, it's it's that kind of, yeah, what, what am I missing out on? So it's yeah, spreading your resources. Would you call Tinder a dating app? Um, kind of, yeah. That's not why I'm on Tinder. That's all of oh. <laughs> we, we, we don't need to the ins and outs of that, Luke. Yeah, I don't think we need to go any further down that street. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, yes, oh, I'd call it I'd call it a dating app. But I mean, the kind of dates that it facilitates usually come with you know payment. So. <laughs> There'll be no sonnets and poetry and, and love songs on a Tinder. Probably not. I might bring it back to football quickly. So uh, one of the things you sort of touched on there was, uh, I guess, within the structure of poetry and all that kind of thing is to bring that more so, I guess, back into football. My favourite, mm-hmm. I think, FM was probably, even though not so much from a game, the game itself, but the, the my enjoyment of the game was with FM19. And I did one thing for the entire year 
is I only played 442. And so I played, I did a whole series of blogs on my own site that basically demonstrated um, all the different variations on a 442 you can play, the different styles, whether it's a low block, whether it's high pressing, whether it's a containment sort of Italian sort of uh, mentality and all that kind of stuff. And for me, knowing that I only had that structure to work within, uh, that two banks of four, those two strikers up top, and then the roles within them, and then the team instructions, I still was able to play completely different styles of football and it was entirely enjoyable for me um uh, just because of the, of of i gave myself enough uh bandwidth to be able to play with those those structures but it also has enough enough uh, uh uh structure to it that i'm not endlessly tweaking so anyway no i think it's good and, and i mean we we all do it to ourselves um, all the time. I mean, I did a thread on on Twitter the other day. What are your personal rules for for running an FM save? You know, things like like I will I only will ever buy scouted players. I won't buy a player that I haven't scouted. Um, I won't buy players that I've ever bought in another game, like in another save. Right. So once I buy one player, a given player, I'll never buy him in another save. Um, just because it just feels cheesy to me. You know what I mean? Everybody and every, we all have our own sets of rules for how we play the game. I think FM is built for that too. There are so many, you can create your own universe in there with its own sort of structure and almost language to a degree um, within that. And I think that's one of the smart and the very uh, 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 engaging things about this game. Um, it's yeah. the universe that you can create and it's yeah, almost limitless, uh, to a degree, <laughs> but yeah, it's, and it's that it's, it's very much a rabbit hole that you go down and you want to stay there. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some of my own rules, but I think a lot of my own rules I got indirectly from playing like the, um, some of the challenges on the forums mm -hmm. from back in the day, like the Defugues or Defugues challenge with the, um, uh, similar to yours with the scouting thing. If you can't scout them, mm -hmm. if you can't get them on trial, or they've not been offered to you by an agent, then they're kind of not on the menu. And then when yeah. FM changed things later on, they kind of imposed that a little bit with the kind of scouting networks and ranges and things like that. It kind of forced you a little bit more to play like that. You could still put the rules in. And you can do, a lot of people do the same with um, sort of club and country saves. Director of Football Challenge, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I just wish they'd fix it. Um, if there's one aspect of the game I wish they'd really refine is, is Director of Football because I that's how football is for a lot of teams these days. You don't have the 1950s um, you know, uh, manager who smokes on the to on the touchline and, and <laughs> spends his time you know, buying players and you know, uh, putting deals on the back of a beer coaster in the pub. It's There is very intrinsic structures and there's very little chance taken players are thoroughly scouted and recommended so you know if you watch that uh, man city um all or nothing series um and the relationship between uh, pep guardiola and his director of football is very very clear and apparent in that he director of football knows he needs to go out and find yeah uh, find a center half you know, and it, he finds three and says, basically, any of these three will do this job because he knows exactly what Pep's looking for. Um, and if they could build that functionality in FM to be even better than it is, it is improving. Um, 
I've used a little bit of that in my current season um, and letting at least my director of football to... Uh, 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 um, I, normally, I nominate targets and get him to do the contracts, but uh, I've actually let him actually go and uh, uh, source some players and you know, most of them have been on point, actually. But anyway, it's uh, if there's one thing they could, they could improve, it'd be that for me. But uh, yeah. For sure. I had an idea for an, for an interesting save the other day that I think it was... Um... Kimmy or Danny, I can't remember, one of, the, one of the young women online, anyway, uh, came up with this idea of coaching the under-19s team and like making your series, your save, your blog, or whatever you're doing about developing the players from the under-19 team and only occasionally showing what you know somebody who's graduated from that team is doing with the big team or or has moved on to other places to do but focusing the story on the youth team because a lot of people do kind of youth saves but it's youth saves with the senior team just putting the straight in isn't it exactly what i'm suggesting is if you take over management of the under 19s team and then basically delegate everything to the assistant manager of of the senior team Ah, yeah, to get round it, because it's not in the game as it is. Although people no, have been the, asking for it for a while, haven't they? The closest thing you have, yeah, the closest thing you have is the B team management, I think, with clubs like in Portugal and stuff, with, you know, Benfica and yeah. Porto and yeah, those guys. That's the closest thing you probably have. But, yeah, you can do that. That works. That's yeah. an interesting concept. Yeah, I thought so as well. You get, you're at high risk of getting sacked if your if your assistant <laughs> manager is not up to it. But yeah, that's the one risk that, that sticks out in my yeah. mind. But yeah, you have that, you have that in America as well. Uh, American league structures very well, very. They got lots of academy teams, Luke. Because you know how this works. I don't know how this works. I, I remember trying to poach players from the US academy teams. It's very tricky mm. because, like. The way yeah, MLS is basically a closed shop. Yeah. No, no one will ever touch an MLS because of the way it's, it is set up. And it's very hard to explain. Basically, MLS basically makes rules up as I go along. <laughs> what yeah. suits them is what the rules are. But what happens, the lead structure is MLS is top. And then you've got USL. But mm. because there's not enough, because it's not got enough professional soccer teams, as they call it. You have B teams and reserve teams in these lower leagues. So the, the most of the pyramid is basically MLS teams and MLS affiliate teams. And then, and if, then you've got a draft that's confusing, not confusing, but it's just stupid. You need a draft, your draft and today's world bloody soccer. Um, but they won't let go of American sports. Yeah. They're still trying to run everything the American way. Yep. Um, so that's what happened in the NFL. Obviously, you have dropped. Well, the, the thing about, the, about American sports that you need to really understand, and this, this applies to the NHL, to Major League Baseball, to MLS, to NBA, NFL, is that they don't worship championships they worship parity mm. right which is to say that in any given year they want any team to be able to win the championship oh, and yeah, so yeah. 
they all have drafts where the worst team gets the best player. Uh, right? Now, yeah. I mean, to most people in the world that would say, well, it's obvious you tank your season as soon as you think you're not going to do anything and you get the best player. Right? Yeah, that's what I do. So, so they did. So they instituted a lottery, so you don't always mm-hmm. necessarily get the worst team getting the best player. But yeah. they yeah. have to do that because they worship parity. Because all of their owners are in the same club. Yeah, in a pot. It's like, a closed club, and they so they're not doing promotion or relegation because that would mean somebody would have to leave the club, and somebody else would come into the club, and that they won't have. That changes the nature of all the youth teams then as well, doesn't it? It changes everything. It changes yeah. everything. Speaking from uh, uh, great experience, so to uh, full disclosure, I used to work for the NFL. And the way the NFL is run, just for those who are uninitiated, is uh, the NFL as an organisation is not run by the league. It's not one of those things where a league is is administers licences or franchises to, to teams. Some of the American sports are run that way. The way the NFL is run is everything is controlled by 32 owners. So nothing of any significance gets passed, including budgets or anything like that across the league, gets passed without two-thirds of owners agreeing on it and they have meetings every three months and they all sit down and discuss where the league is going so there is there is very much a protectionism kind of thing to it so the concept of and this bleeds through correctly to other sports uh as kate said um the concept of relegation and all this kind of stuff would never happen because two-thirds of in this case say the nfl instituted a two-tiered structure with relegation you would not get two-thirds of the league uh, league owners uh, are basically accepting a possibility that some of them may not be in that club next year uh, of those groups. So it's all very, the structure and the mentality of it all is very different, um, even from a development standpoint, where most of the players of all the uh, major clubs, including MLS, come through a college system. So they have no affiliation like you do in so- in, in football, where you get that that affiliation through the youth teams into the, into the under-23s or reserves or B team, and then in into the senior team. You, you don't have that concept. You get this very disjointed, um, almost uh, like an uh, like a unrestricted movement of players to a degree where they move from a college system to a, and then they become commoditized as a player for a major sport. And then they get free to get traded and bandied around uh, at the control of the owners and the club itself rather than the player controlling their own destiny. So it's very hard for a player with an MLS to move from one club to the other. It's usually the player, uh, the, the, the club themselves will institute uh, that and initiate that move sometimes without even telling the player. <laughs> it's just a very different concept. As why is not here, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use Dax McCartney as an example. <laughs> I knew <laughs> it was going to come up. I can say it was like in trouble today, but it has got it's effectively some of completely. Um, what he gets is about being traded left right center. He was he played for New York for six seasons, I believe, something like six seasons, club captain. Just got married. And the next day, New York, or Frank Roberts will record, trading Chicago, they're like even telling him. But there's no, in MLS, like in, in English football, there's, there's loyalty. There's no loyalty in, in MLS. But all they, all the owners of the league care about is winning. They don't have, they don't have loyalty in MLS. That's been shown many, many times by I think some of the great players that have had Americans have pretty much pretty much been let out to dry and they're not good enough anymore because 
In fact, that, that's not also. I put my tin hat on. That's not, <laughs> that's not all the club's fault because the way the league is run doesn't allow for sentiment. To actually, people probably know have a, have a cap. You think you can't have over eighty two thousand a year, like eighty two thousand a week wages. So you're restricted. You're very restricted. Um. That's part of the reason there's no loyalty and again clubs that trade players let right and centre. Um it's a It makes it quite fun to play in there. A lot of people call them, Monopoly rules. Because I do just make them up as we go along. Um So just as a general straw poll, we'll start with you first, Luke. Would you put promotion and relegation into the MLS? It's a very tricky one because I see both sides. I think, like in European game, is all we know. But I've also got to take into consideration the size of America. Mm. Like it's okay with Britain or Germany or any any European country really. But you take into take into example the size of America. America is absolutely ma- massive. And something like some of the way trips, like New York to, is already a 15 hours down the road. Mm-hmm. And a way for MLS currently have it, it's down so you play, you play the team furthest away, the least as possible. So, in an ideal world, yeah, you would love to get promotion relegation in it. But at the same time, realistically, and logistically, and it would be an absolute schedule nightmare for some True. of our lower, lower clubs. How about everyone else? What's the general feeling from you, Kit? I, well, I think it depends on what you're trying to achieve. If what you're trying to achieve is the best football that America can produce and the best footballers that America can produce, then you need promotion relegation. All right? I, I think absolutely you must have it if you want to produce the best football and the best footballers. Um, because without it, without relegation scraps and promotion battles and, and all of those things, where are players going to learn about how what it takes to win a championship or to fight against a relegation? You know what I mean? It's true. So they... They learn so much, I think, from the from the different situations they get put in through promotion and relegation, that is just not um, just not available in a closed system like like MLS. So, I for for me, it's got to be it's got to be pro rel. Yeah, from my standpoint, absolutely, we need promotion and relegation. There's because there is one outlying thing that exists where there is in in American sports, and that is uh, what I'll class as essentially the complacent or lazy owner. Um, and to bring this back into the, I guess, European football world, uh, you don't have to look any further than the Glazers, and there is a connection between the two worlds right there in terms of the Glazers basically operate Man United as essentially as a corporate entity that from which they can they can profit and they do in the in the millions every single year while running the club at a debt. But in the NFL they also own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have been essentially disastrous for many, many, many decades. And without the concept of relegation, it, it allows you to operate a club 
on a mediocre level and still make a ton of money. So if you're if you're running a club and the goal is for you to make money and not necessarily care about what happens on the field, no matter what sport it is, you will get essentially people like the Glazers who don't care about sport, who just simply want to use them as a corporate entity to enrich themselves. Um, and they'll allow mediocrity to happen because there is no penalty for it. So you can finish. Um, and that's mm. the one slight getting back to the previous thing about American sports is without the concept of losing your status, you can be mediocre every year so long as you're still selling tickets and getting money from TV rights. Um, you can just mail it in every single year. You can invest essentially nothing in your club or its infrastructure uh, and, and, and make bank every single year. So without that threat of relegation, I don't know how you change that. Um, and we all know teams that, that have existed, whether it's the NBA, NH, NHL, um, definitely the NFL um, and MLB, where essentially because of the way that that setup happens, they are terrible every year. Um, you know, the Browns for decades were awful. Um, yeah. You know, and they would get the number one lottery pick, uh, sorry, the number one draft pick every single year and still find new ways to screw it up. So yeah. and there's no penalty for that. So if you if that if the the NFL instituted something like a promotion relegation um, setup, uh, there's only so far that they are that 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 the, uh, those owners will allow that team to sink before they actually do something about it and rebuild what they have. Um, and we've even seen that. Look at yeah, look at the, the 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 cases we have from the Premier League. All the clubs that have essentially um, that had Premier League status over the last twenty years, and some of them where they are now. The the mm -hmm. the you know, uh, Bolton, um, Bradford, yeah. were a Premier League club for for a few seasons. Um, Sunderland. At Sunderland, yeah, that's that. Oh, them yeah. Yeah, even Charlton to an extent, who have started, you know, who've rebuilt themselves now and got back to the championship. Um, there is a, you know, that Sunderland until I die. Speaking of Netflix, um, is is one of the most compelling things I've seen in in a long, long time. And that's, you know, the first season of it is how not to run a football club, and the second season is, okay, we've kind of think we've turned the corner, but we still can't get back to where we should be. But that's why you want promotion and relegation is to to not reward the rich owner who's sitting in florida who doesn't really care and just writes a check at the end of the year because he's he's got he's got more money than god and just wants to own a team um as opposed to those those owners who do want to do something and do want to invest in football so you know promotion and relegation is one of the key things to be able to do that it would thing it won't happen we can i can put it on the put it on the thing now it will not happen because Emirates don't want it. What Emirates says, Emirates gets. The US Soccer Federation do what Emirates wants. Emirates have got the money. And also, financially, the Emirates can't afford it at the moment. The Emirates, it's quite mad. It's, I think 20, it's 25, 25 years that the league is this year. And they're still not doing as well as it should be, financially, put it that way. You've got the big clubs like Atlanta, who are selling out and flashing money after money after money. But again, you've got clubs like Cambridge Crew, who are struggling to get 10,000 people in a, a, a game. Then you've got, for me, you've got New York, the Bulls, who are in one of the biggest cities in the world, I've got probably one of the best, Soccer stadium in America. It is, it is an amazing stadium. That's in New it's Jersey. Well, yeah, it's in the state. <laughs> it's in, but that's not. Doesn't matter. It's close it's, enough. 
It's close. Yeah. Have you have you actually been, Luke? Have you seen the? the yeah, uh, I went. October. Okay, I went. Uh, I went many years ago um, when they were playing in the old Giant Stadium, whatever that is called now, and yeah. it uh, it was you know you get on the bus from uh, you get on the coach from Penn Station or where, oh sorry from the Port Authority to get out there, and it's um it's a bit it's a fair hike to get out there. You've got to be dedicated to want to go out there. I would say. I would say not only does the lack of relegation. Um, excuse me, encourage that absentee owner problem, it rewards it, right? You not only get the best, the best draft pick, but in the NFL, they set up the schedule based on how you did last year so that you play other teams that did poorly last year, right? The good teams play each other and the bad teams play each other in the NFL, right? I mean, there's some mixing up of it too, but there's a certain amount of, of stacking the schedule so that the good teams face hard te- hard opposition and the weak teams face weak opposition. And again, speaking from experience, the schedule is one of the things they invest uh, the most effort in. It is something that is done with great secrecy, with a lot of technology and algorithms that based on a lot of different things. Um, but yes, you're correct. It is there to one, mostly it's around enhanced ratings and by letting the poor teams play one another. If uh, Most people will watch a game if they feel like they've got a chance of winning it. So if you've got yeah. you know, the Browns when they're, they were terrible playing the Patriots every other week or whatever, um, yeah, people aren't going to mm-hmm. watch the, in that market, in the, in, the, uh, in the Cleveland market. No one's going to watch it. So they do try and stack it so to maximise. Everything's about TV revenue with the NFL. Uh, that's the first, second, third and fourth thought before anything else. Um, <laughs> and, and everything they do is towards that goal. I think I'll probably go back to remember that thing about New York is New York's got one of the best stadiums in America. It's a brilliant stadium. And Red Bull are very, very rich. They've put a lot of money into that club. You go back before I was born to the Metro Stars, one of MLS's, well, biggest failures. Metro Stars, the original charter club, won nothing. And Giant Stadium, like you said, we're getting about 20,000 people, if that. There was about 5,000 when 5, I went there. Yeah. in <laughs> a 60,000, 70, stadium. Yes. But now we've got a brilliant sports, sports particular stadium. We've got a, a decent team. It's a, it's, a, it's a top five team in the league. Brilliant outstanding training facilities. And, and there's no doubt denying it. Not so much lately, but Red Bull put a lot of money into big name players. Henri, Tim Cahill, mm. um, Pablo Angel, big was a big play, big player. Um, well, the Yuri Jokoyev was playing for him when I went. That was that long ago. Nice. <laughs> you've, got, you've got some big players, but they can't attract a crowd because A, like you said, it is a long hike out from New York City. As I find mm. out when I went last October, it is it's such a nightmare to get to as well. The trains and you get got a coach. It's not easy to get to. And you've got New York is just not made for MLS. And that is the way it is. We had before a couple of weeks after our podcast, we had a Metro Fan TV on here. 
and you were saying that how New York is still predominantly European football because I don't want them and that's not good enough for them. So I don't think it's all I don't think all that MLS trouble are pro well. It is a big problem, but a bigger problem is attracting crowds because um it just I would say it's not even just the crowds, it's the lack of a good T V deal. Right? I mean sporting on sports on TV in the US is huge. I mean they've got They've got, what, four or five major sports now? Mm. You've got hockey, baseball, football, basketball, and soccer, right? That's, that's five major sports all competing for the sporting person's dollar. Saturated. And, and at the moment, football as we know it, soccer is the last on the list. Oh, yeah. It's, be, it's, behind, it's behind ice hockey. It always will be. That, that is the way, sadly. But it, way but it shouldn't be, the, because the thing is, more kids are playing it in the US than play any other sport. But that's a, I agree, but the way the American sports mind is, is that soccer will always be last. You're not going to change that, not for the foreseeable no. future. Uh, and also, you get to say TV deal, the huge problem with that is, is that it, the league, because all the clubs are owned by one person, um, all owned by the league, and the, the owners put money into the pot, the, the league have the sponsorship, they do all sponsorship, the league, TV deals. That is a big problem, because there's no competition. Because the league do you know why they've done that, Luke? Depth. Do you know why they've done that, Luke? It's because the old, if you watch the one in a million documentary, it talks about the American Soccer League from the 80s and you had, um, essentially it went broke for because oh, of, yeah. they didn't trust the owners. So what they did is basically instituted a, a very, so they've done a similar thing in Australia with the A-League in that they've put very strict financial controls over it because they don't trust owners to spend uh, within their means and they want, their, they want to have a product at the end of the day. They, so the, the risk is, is higher uh, so they need what they pro- there's a balance somewhere in between where they can l- re- relax some of those controls, implement they can still have a strict salary cap and all that kind of stuff. But what they what they don't want really in in the MLS is is that absentee owner um, that they have in other sports. That's their greatest risk. That's why they did it. And yeah, yeah. just a. I tell you, so MLS. If you want to fix MLS, what you need to do and and. This will take a restructuring of U.S. soccer from the bottom up. But what the problem is, is like I said, up to the age of 10 or 12, more Americans play soccer than any other sport by far. Okay? True. But they stop playing when they're 10 or 12 years old because when you get into the rep system in the U.S., when you get into the, the what we would call you know, under 12s or under 14s teams, the, the traveling teams, you know, the sort of thing I mean. Mm. The, the, the sort of tr- what, what is dealt with in, in Europe by the clubs having under 12 teams. Here, there are, there are clubs that have youth teams and so on, but they, you have to pay to play. That's a huge All problem. Right? It's a huge problem because... It's a huge problem to develop the soccer. It is... 
Exactly, and it's, it's killing the game because it, everybody it. has it to is. stop playing at 10 or 12. Oh, club, as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, I know New York, don't, they don't do paper. They don't charge for, they do free packages, like free, like free school scholarships, that sort of stuff. Yeah. They don't charge. But it's, yeah. it's, 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 I think maybe sports in Kansas City also don't, but it's very, very far and few between. And it is, like you said, it's a huge problem between, it's, it's, it's dancing the growth of, of a game in America. Because people can't afford it. And it is... Well, and the thing is, if you don't play it, you don't tend to watch it either. No. I mean, how many of us played the game one way or the other? All of us? Not very well. I tried to play. I tried. But we all played. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And that's where we get the audience as grown-ups, because they got to love the game as children and grew up with it. But in the U.S., they're not growing up with it. They're losing their interest when they hit puberty, um, roughly speaking. And they're they're not getting it back again. When they turn back to sports, they're going back to the big four um, American sports. You also have, yeah, that high school age, there's a gap in that level, but the same problem there also yeah. exists when you get older because then the traditional thing in American sports is to go to college. If you want to, yeah. you can get a sports scholarship and all that kind of stuff. And I worked with a guy who went to a, a top 10 soccer um, college, ranked uh, soccer college in, in the US, and he explained the process to me. And as someone who went through sort of a few youth programs in Australia and then later in life, I, I played at lower league level, well, very amateur league level in, in England. There's none of that same infrastructure. It's all very disjointed. So you play for a certain club till you, as you mentioned, sort of 12, 13. Then you stop playing and you'll play another sport in high school. And then you may go back to soccer if you're really interested in it. And then because you can get a scholar, you can get a sports scholarship. And then your coach in, in a lot of the coaches at the college level, soccer is not their first sport football is not their first sport they're just athletic coaches who, who kind of pick it up so you don't get the same as you do in europe or south america you don't get that lineage or that 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 concept yes. of, of of traditional coaching um and so your education as a player is very disjointed and so when i watch mls and this is turning into a bit of a, an mls pod but anyway when i watch mls <laughs> the struggle i have is a lot of the commentators don't talk about football in the way I would normally, as someone who grew up in Australia and in Europe, um, I, they don't talk about the game as I would expect it to be talked about. They don't talk about it like my coaches did or the the, the, the players that I, I listened to who would talk about it on TV and stuff. They don't have that same le- – the, the education, and the, and that's down to the, to, to the U.S. sort of soccer federation as well, is there's mm-hmm. not this overarching concept of how football is taught and coached because you have all these different vested interests, whether it's the high school coach or the elementary school sports coach, the local club, the college coach, all these different people all teach the game differently because they all have different interests. And if it's a college thing, it's I want to go and get the best recruit that I can because I can get more dollars for my, you know, if I'm an athletic director, I can get more dollars for my, for my, for my division there. Um, and then when it, heaven forbid if they get through all this crap uh, as a young per- young person, if they do get drafted, they then get essentially retaught the game again differently at the M- at the MLS level. So it's it's kind of, you kind of, the, there is this complete lack of end-to-end structure with it, 
Whereas if you're a 12 year old kid playing football, um, I had a, a buddy of mine, his kid uh, ended up getting uh, um, uh, playing for playing it through the Stoke Academy. Uh, and yes, there is one, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> I'm just imagining it's throw-ins um, every day. Actually, he was, well, I ended up coaching at that level because my friend of mine ended up subbing for him. Uh, his his dad, my friend's son, uh, uh, was quite talented, so his dad got involved in the coaching program there. It was really educational for me, and I loved it. But he got sick, and so I ended up subbing for him on it, and just developing. In this case, we developed a, his son, who was a very much a box to box midfielder, and watching uh, over the course of a year, watching uh, how we were able to develop him and the, and and the rest of the team was just incredible. But there is none of that from what I've said. What I saw living in the US and stuff. There was absolutely none of that. So, you know, I don't know, getting back to how people get interested in it, a lot of it is every four years there's a World Cup. If the US don't qualify, forget it. You, the game's dead yeah. in that in that country for another four years. But if they do qualify, is there someone who's good enough to ignite that spark and, and inspire a, a generation? At the moment, it's the women's national team who are incredible. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, yeah. So you've got a lot of girls coming into the game simply because they're fantastic. But, you know, the men's, the men's national team haven't had a great player in quite some time, you know. Maybe a Clint Dempsey, maybe. It certainly wasn't yeah. Landon Donovan who could inspire people. So, yeah. Okay, I'm retiring. Tea with tea, Hector. Oh, I'm going to come back now. I'm retiring again. A year later, well, from Mexico. Loves, he loves the attention. Don't hold back, Luke. Don't, don't worry. He's going to be like Rio Ferdinand all over again. I've got my final two bobs on them let's move on to the questions. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. Last thing I've got to say is, yes, MLS has got a lot of things, but it's not all their fault. I don't know that sounds stupid, but a lot of it is also down to how America is, like, not just People-wise, like how 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 um, like built in that's like NF as for etc. But also geographical mm. America, like it's so big. America is so big, and and you go to and like MLS players travel on the train. Right? They get three three no six. Five, five, five flights a year in America. It's all mm. they're allowed. You, you think how big America is? So I go down to places. Something goes down five, six hours on a on a, a train. It's not the ideal preparation for a game, really. Um, no, that's true. And you got also got the weather. Weather is a huge part of the, of America. People will go. Why don't Why don't they play August to May? Uh-huh. I what you should see you should basically watch some of the games in real in Salt in, in Salt Lake in yeah. March and then you'll soon see why I don't play all get to all get to May because Well and don't forget there's teams in Canada as well. Yeah, We've got mm-hmm. teams in Toronto and Montreal and you do exactly. not want to be playing football in Toronto yeah. in early March. No. Because it's yeah, gonna be it below work. zero. It won't work. And that's that's why MLS would never be perfect, like perfect league would be thinking they are in Europe, because of not not for all their fault, some of their fault, but also some just because how America is with the 
like the weather. And you can see, like I said, you can have really bad weather. I mean, you know, you can have really hot weather. And another problem with America, going back to Kate's daily about TV deals, is time zones in America. And, mm-hmm. like, I was watching, when I went to New York in September to watch the match, it was at five o'clock, which even for, even for European football is pretty much uh, unheard of. Yeah. You don't normally yeah. have a five pm kickoff. We're actually about half five in the end, um, but that's actually really early for MLS. Some matches don't start till nine o'clock at night. Um, it has been nine. I think recently it was a ten pm kickoff. Um, wow. I think that was LA Galaxy. We got to we take consideration is the time zones. They're not like Britain. We've got one time zone. I remember once. I remember once. How, how many hours is it between New York and LA? It was a good few hours, I think. So you, you it's three time at, zones, yeah. Yeah. Do you start a match at 10 o'clock in LA or vice versa? It's very hard for the other half of America to watch it. That's now a big problem. Yeah. It's the time zones. Yeah. So we, should we can move on to questions now. Yeah, sure. we've, I think we've covered all the, the problems in. The MLS, which are, are particularly fixable, although you can just download a database football manager that's got pro rele- promotion and relegation in if you want to. Yeah. It doesn't get rid of the my other friend, issues. Uh, my friend Justin, FM Digi, did that uh, that database. It's really quite good. It's a, it is a really good one. It's well worth well worth downloading. Football in America, well, in the US, is fun. And this is the Canadian uh, Premier League as well. Well, Sirius okay. decided they want to search for football for me. There we go. Um, it is good fun, but sometimes maybe you just need a tweaked database. That one is quite good. So yeah, let's uh-huh. let's move on to the questions then. Do you want to pick out the first one, Luke? Yeah, let me get it up. First question from Brooklyn, FM Brooklyn, one of our writers. Admittedly, I think these were for Ryan. Ryan couldn't be with us tonight. But we're going to ask him in t- tribute to Ryan. Yeah. I mean, he's not dead or anything. He's no, just he's not, not dead. Here. Um... Which food have we discovered you can live without during lockdowns? Obviously, we don't know. There is a sort of food, pretty much worldwide, I would say. Not, I think, just England. Is it what, is, is a food shortage your side of the pond, Kate? Sorry, I was coughing. We were talking about the food, food um, shortage, shortage, shortage oh, yeah. in the UK, and we're saying it's pretty much worldwide. Is there, is there one your side of the pond? Um, there was initially, there was briefly, but it hasn't been since then, and and the the toilet paper thing has been sorted out. But then Good. remember, we feed, we can feed ourselves, right? Canada can feed itself, so at least you know five months of the year we can anyway. Britain's um, sort of food, <laughs> a bit the pond. Uh, well, yeah, Britain would be because Britain doesn't grow enough food to support no. itself. Right. You do so. There's there's sure. one count there's one county that can do it and the others can't. That's it. I'm sure. Yeah. That's Yorkshire. Big problems. Wait, wait is a big problem. So mm-hmm. wait calendar. I know that. Yeah. No uh, problem in our house. We've got plenty of flour. We're good. <laughs> you don't know how long it'll be though. True. Oh, we're good for a while. We can ration it out. So we don't have to be without anything. We don't have to be without pancakes or waffles. So. Or waffles oh. or any wine. His favorite food. 
What food have we discovered you can live right? No, what have I discovered I can't live right? Uh, I'm going, I'm actually dieting at the moment. So, it's going well. Uh, yeah, lots of friend heart pies last week. Um, I want to do more exercise, but it's pretty hard at the moment. When you're locked down. So, I've got balloon, I would say chocolate down. I had chocolate for two weeks. And I do like chocolate. So, yeah, chocolate. I've had a lot more headaches. I think I probably was eating a lot more sugar than I thought I was. Yeah. But I start to go now. So that's good. Yeah. I think I'm probably losing weight, but I don't tend to weigh myself very often. So I don't know whether it's true or not. It just, I noticed my clothes seem to be a bit looser. It's the approach I go for as well. Mm-hmm. So, in addition to that, you also said, what food can we not live without? Potatoes. Uh, Coke. Coca-Cola. That Couldn't food? do without it. Is that food? It is for me. Enough. I think it counts. What, what, can, what can I not live without? Hot without cross buns. I don't really, hot I'm not really a massive fan of hot cross buns, to be honest. I, don't, I, like, them, I like them battered. I don't like them on their own. Mm. I, I probably mm. can't live. I do like... I like it's a bit of a... Bit of a it's 50-50. I do like Marmite. Marmite's mm. amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you agree. I, I, I love a bit of Marmite toast. Yeah. Marmite or pretty much anything. Marmite and cheese sandwich. Uh, I always remember when I was a child... I used to have marmite and base everything. I would literally have all I have for lunch is marmite sandwiches, marmite sandwiches. Because I, I love so much. I don't have much now, but I do still love marmite. And it is better than Vegemite, we can confirm. That's true. I mean, it's I not wrong confirm. with either of them. Now, I've been in America, I've tried Vegemite. Marmite you need to go to America to try it. You can get it here. Maybe not right now. I can't, I've never seen it here. Yeah. I haven't seen it in Hyatt's. Maybe, maybe it's not reached. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe in the big city in Birmingham. In the big city, we've got maybe. It. Yeah. So, uh, there was another food question, wasn't there, about gaming snacks? Yeah, I'll come to that. I've got another one from Brooklyn first. Oh, yeah. What, has, has our game changed, game time changed during lockdown? But mine has. I've not played FM in about oh, Probably took near three weeks, I reckon, because I haven't got time to do it. I'll probably do some tomorrow. Um, I don't haven't had time. I've been so busy um, at working. Cause bakers are not just us. Bakers are now the the back backbone of communities game. Um, my grandparents. Hi. I don't know how old any of you are, but Jamie, you remember the best strike called six seventy six? No. There was a massive bread strike in '76, where people didn't get people didn't get like supermarkets didn't get bread in. Um, because all the bakers went not bakers like all the like I don't know all around there, but like people know the supermarket brands, um, Warburton's people as we call it to them in the '70s went on strike, and that was a huge period where the bakers were like on the backbone of the community bringing all this bread and it's. Kind of same. Bakers are yeah. now the community trying working really hard for the community. I mean, the breads are just going out of control. We're doing so much more bread, and we're doing, we're doing deliveries now. What has 
helped as well. So you're getting to people who wouldn't normally have it as well. So, I've so this is why them. this is why you've not carried on with your save to see if you're going to be sacked in a different country. Yeah, that's why. That's why I, I, I was meant to have an art school. Was it this week or last week? Uh, last that, week, I think. Yeah, last week. I didn't. I said to Carla, I can't. I didn't even have time. I haven't even time. To, I'm pressed. I continue the button. Uh, I think you've had a good reason. How about you, Kit? Um, I well, I've been playing way more. In fact, at the moment, I wasn't able to. I ended up watching TV today because I have run up against the recording episodes of my of my next of my saves. Like all three saves that I've got, I've now got a recording to do, and I can only do them between the hours of about two in the morning and seven in the morning because of the background noise and stuff in my apartment. Mm-hmm. So I tend to shoot early in the morning, which is about seven or eight hours from now. So um, once I get there, I'll be able to get the episodes shot and then move again on the on the uh, on the game. But at the moment, I'm up against the wall, and so I haven't actually played very much today. But other days, plenty, lots. I hit a similar kind of block in that I've got two saves that I record for and I've got to the point where I need to record the next match but I've not yeah. got the time to record it because everyone mm-hmm. we're, we're self-isolating um, we move the desks around because we're getting a nursery sorted out for a newcomer to the family so we've mm. got my desk is next to my wife's desk which then makes recording a bit weird yeah. so, so I've got to wait for occasional evenings to do it so I've kind of hit a block so I install Football Manager 2005 so I can just do some sort of nostalgia playing alongside nice. things to keep the addiction, you know, simmering along. But yeah, That's but I think a good idea. Of, I've noticed in the community there's been a bit of a a flow and ebb. There's some people firing out tons of stuff because they've got more time, and some people have just kind of disappeared for a bit because they've got more work or childcare or just everyone's in, so they can't record or write or play as much. It's a bit of a weird one. Yeah. I'm I'm a bit lucky in that there's only the two of us living in this apartment, my flatmate and I, and and he's very much an introvert, and so am I. So we just keep ourselves to ourselves, and it's not mm-hmm. really a problem. So the it, the noise that I worry about isn't from him; it's from like the construction across the road, and and other people getting up and banging around and doing all their you know daily stuff, which mostly seems to involve a lot of jumping up and down. <laughs> so everyone exercising indoors now. That's what it, it is. must be. Yeah, it must be. We want to move on to the next question. Yeah, sure. So this is from Dan Fincher. You used to write for us a couple of years ago. He asked what our favorite regions and asked their stories. Only region sounds like to me. I had a player called came from a New York academy in twenty. 20- Seven, yeah, he was seven. I think it was eighteen, eighteen. I think, and he was German, but somehow he came through on the York Academy. I'm not quite sure how. He didn't have American nationality. He was German completely. He mm. came through my academy at New York, and I don't know how. It's not like if it was Spanish. You understand it because New York is very historic. So you've got a lot of Spanish, a lot of. Um, What's the word? Hispanic. But it's a very big, large Hispanic community around New York State. But 
he wasn't Hispanic. He was he was German. He came through, and he was fifteen, and he was already probably the best midfielder on my team. Um, not no, he was only fifteen. He was fourteen. He was fourteen. You know, one of the best midfielders on my team. He went straight up front of the pitch. I think he played maybe fifty games for me before my United bought him. Man United bought him for about 30, 35 million. Like Stole him off you. Stole him off me. But at the time, I was grateful for that money because I got to the stage where I was I was the best team in the country by some distance. I mean, some distance. Oh, I was winning the league year or year for year for year. Obviously, winning the Champions League like the American one year after year after year after year. So, but financially, we had we, because we signed the, the lead deal. I won't get in. I'm kind of getting kind of attract bigger players now. I was spending more and more money, but I wasn't getting it back. Mm. And we literally survived on selling players. That that's the only reason we really kept in the kept in the not got that did go in the red. We were literally surviving on. Certain players, yeah. Um, it's funny still. I bought. Have you heard of Lewis Malt from Motherwell? Uh, no, Lewis so. Motherwell was pretty good. I bought him for New York. Played one season for me. He scored thirty-one goals. And I sold him straight to Preston for I think two point five million, which basically kept basically kept me in the in in the white. Um. Just made the so, sacrifice for you each year, players. Yeah. How about you, Kit? Um, the the two best regens I've had. One of them was on. I can never remember whether it was FM thirteen or fifteen, but uh, he was just astonishing. Cesarino, his name was. We were. He came through the youth ranks at Fortaleza in Brazil. Uh, which I'd taken from Serie C to Serie A. And when we had won everything in South America, I went to, I got the job at Bayern Munich and I went off to Bayern Munich and the first player I bought was Cesarino. So he came over to Germany and proceeded to tear up everything in Europe. It was amazing. It was a bad year if he only got 25 or 30 goals. Um, he was. He ended up scoring over a hundred goals for Brazil, um, which was just incredible. So in like a hundred and thirty caps or something like that, he broke a hundred goals. So yeah, it was just amazing, just incredible. The other one was, of course, I mentioned earlier in the in the show was um, Jose Ramon Munoz in my current Bilbao save mm-hmm. that I got as a sixteen-year-old and is now a twenty-one-year-old and and looking at at being a world under twenty-one player of the year. I love the fact that he's 21 as well. So that means you've got seasons and seasons left. Exactly. It's going to be good. How about you? Uh, For me, I've got two. The first one was from the very first football manager, so 2005. Um, And I was with St. Johnston. I managed to get them promoted to the top flight in Scotland. Um, And I signed this left winger. It was a Mexican player called Rodrigo de la Vega. And he was a, 
I think he's one of the face in the game players that they did because he came with this really sort of grainy image. Um, and he was this kind of like flying left winger sort of slash forward in a sort of Ryan Giggs style. And then with him and St. Johnston, I managed to kind of break apart the old firm. So I was finishing second consistently. And then eventually managed to just start finishing top for a few seasons in a row and broke them completely. So Rangers oh. and Celtic were destroyed. Um, but because it was Football Manager 2005, he, wasn't, he didn't have dynamic league reputations or dynamic prize money or anything like that. So even though I was winning it year on year, I was only ever getting like a million or two to spend. Oh. And that was it, even though I was in Europe every year and stuff like that. Um, so I got offered the Celtic job. So I took it and then took like the 31, 32-year-old Rodrigo with me. Um, and then just did the same again for a few more seasons when his, his legs were starting to sort of tire. And then he retired oh. with me. And I basically played that safe for about two and a half, three real years of just, I'd, I'd, wow. I had I had 06 and 07, but I just carried on playing it until the hard drive in that laptop uh, exploded, the actual disc in it shattered. So all the saves wow. got wiped out. Um, and then after that, for every other version of FM until this one, I named my manager Rodrigo de la Vega, just to keep nice. him going. Um and this year for FM20, I've named my manager Yannick Janin because he was my favourite striker from last year in my Tahiti nice. save. Um, Very good. He was our record goal scorer, but he, ne- he hardly ever got called up to the national team. So when I eventually got the national job with Tahiti, I called him up for his one and only World Cup. And we didn't win anything. We didn't even get a right. draw. He got absolutely <laughs> spanked by every team there, but he managed to at least get a few more caps. Uh, so I named my right. manager after him. But I think those two are my favourite ones either side. But, yeah. Right. So this one's actually got quite a few answers, but we'll go, we, won't get, we won't spend too long on it because it got quite a few answers. But is watching 2D with 3D highlights the best way to watch the games? Me, personally, this is a controversial opinion, possibly. I don't... I, I always watch in 2D. I don't watch highlights. I don't put. I literally have it at. I have it as far far to speak possible. Okay. I have it on two D, and I have key highlights. Um, Do you think this might be linked to all those goals you conceded just before you got fired in your last last game? No. No. Just, just just throw it out there. Maybe watching it. Slightly slower or in a different view might help you. I don't like to get it over and down with. <laughs> um, that's me. What about you guys? You actually applied to this, Kate, didn't you? You watched 3D all the way. Yeah, I'm 3D all the way. I'd, I ever since they put the 3D in the game, I've been I've been using it. I I just it it allows me to visualize the game a whole lot better than it does in 2D. So it's it's there's no contest for me. What about you, Pellin? Um, I used to be halfway between the two until probably FM19. So I used to go on for 2D and then 3D highlights because I yeah. used 2D to see like the shape of the um, of the tactic to see whether it's working or not. But then actually I thought from FM19 and FM20, actually you can zoom out enough in a lot of the views to see the shape anyway. Mm-hmm. And 
you've got the analysis so you can look at the shape afterwards and see you know the heat maps and things like that plus you only really need to see it for a few matches or for key moments to see that it's working like you could do that in friendlies if you wanted to so i'm pretty much 3d all the way now but that's relatively recent okay so two penultimate question from paul wink paul wilkes gaming that's choice he's been attacking jaffa cage recently I, I don't think I really eat that much when I play Pokemon Manager. But you're on a health kick. However, even before that, I don't think I really play that much when I play Pokemon Manager. Really. I don't... I'm the sort of person, like... Obviously, it might be part because of how my sleep routine. But I... When I have lunch and I brought up my health kick, I would eat, eat loads and loads and loads and loads of lunch. I mean loads. <laughs> I wouldn't snack. I wouldn't eat while I'm playing Pokemon or anything. But I would eat so much at lunch, I wouldn't be able to eat anything else. I tend to. I'll drink a lot of coffee. Um, and recently, um, because it's Easter, you can get mini eggs, but you can get Smarties mini eggs. Oh, I've seen them. And they are pretty good. And you can get the packets that are just the orange ones. Not just orange. The... That's a, well, those the, those are the only ones you can get as an entire packet. Oh, you get um, yeah, you can get normal ones as well. Yeah, yeah, but you're, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's why I've been I've been the slightly. Good, have you tried the Milky Way? Not Milky Milky Way. Yeah, Milky Bar ones. What mini eggs? Yeah, no. ah, good. If, if it wasn't locked down, I'd go and get them right now. They are good. <laughs> I recommend them a lot. They are good. Um, I like I like jelly tots, but they I, there's only one place I can get them here. So, because we'll we'll they, they, you, you have to get them in the foreign food aisle here. So <laughs> that makes jelly tots sound exotic. We, we'll we'll have it to does. send you on like a pack of them. I do love jelly tots. Actually, jelly tots are amazing. They I, they they really are my favorite. They they used to be a little store that sold them here, but they they closed up a few years back, and now they just sell Scottish pies and stuff. That's um, a bit of a switch. Yeah. And changing the topic slightly, but still on the same route. I, we had to go to yeah. Kerry the other day, but normally my granddad goes. But obviously, mm. he's now self-isolated because he can't go out anymore because he's age. Mm. So we, me and Dad had to go. And it's easy to be buying eggs for our cakes and that sort of stuff. Yeah. We get them with sweet sale. And we never, we never go down there because we don't sell sweets and like that. Yeah. You, you see many sweets on there. They're not that cheap. It, it must have to sell a hell of a lot to make money. Tell you that. Because mm-hmm. they're not cheap. Like the box of. Um, no, like you know, you can get the Harry Bows, like boxes. Yeah, the big Not ones. Bad, the boxes you do pick and mix. That was like mm-hmm. two, three pounds each. And you think they're what, like five p a sweet? You've got to sell a hell of a lot of sweet to make your money back. But I'm pretty sure they do. They must do. Uh, keep I expect so, yeah. Um, but so we want to have final question from your brother and fan, I reckon, yeah. Are you FC devs? Biggest tip from first time promotion to a prem. Don't know if it means 
had to get promoted, or if you just been promoted, I'd stay up. What do you reckon? Um, to me, it reads as if you know the biggest tip for first time promotion to the Prem is in getting promoted first I time. I mean, is there much what me answering this one? Um, you could just say everything you do, and then at the end be like, "Don't do this." Don't do anything I do. I guess. Yeah. Don't finish in my. Don't finish. Don't finish in my nets. Forty-one goal difference. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty key. Don't play score more tactic. Definitely don't play that. Um, what I would do to start is is to buy myself a few older players with Premier League experience. Um, yeah. And put them on one or two year contracts um, just because they will help stabilize the team and help you stay up. Mm. Prioritize that over getting in some young studs. Like get yourself a year of the premiership money under your belt before you start trying to build the team. Definitely got to be that will, Yeah, you've got to build a team that will survive before you can build a team that will thrive. Exactly that. It's a bit like um, Simon's Resultism article as well. Uh It might not be a pretty first season with all the kind of wonder kids in that your heart desires, but it'll be a first season that means you can have more seasons afterwards. Exactly. With the wonder kids. With all the wonder kids. Exactly. That's that's actually all our questions for tonight. That's good. We've we've gone on a bit of a detour for the MLS, yes, but I enjoyed MLS. that. I learned things. We did. <laughs> I learned things. Um, so yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Um, you can have a look at the website for our various articles. We can only have two or three out uh, a week. Um, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Yep, do those things. Forget, don't forget, we've got our store. Takeagame.com slash store. That's true. We've got a store as well. We've got a store. We've got That's some videos on there. What's we got on there? We've got tops. We do. Yeah. I think it's it for now. We've got more coming soon. Um, we've got a YouTube channel, but it's not much on there. So, <laughs> if you want YouTube stuff, watch Old Lady Plays. Yeah, you want or, or F and T T. Uh, wouldn't bother yeah, at the moment. I'm not doing very well. Or I would say huh? Northman, but um, he's sadly retired from F and duties. To be fair, I re- I actually do watch FM Tahiti, particularly the By the Numbers series. Oh, thanks. Which I've been I've been very much enjoying. As you know, kind of a fellow stato, you know. There's some more stats coming up. I found some more horrible things that are wrong with my team. So that's, that's cool. coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening to us. Um, yeah. and stay safe. Stay safe. Stay indoors. Well. Yeah. Stay home. Stay yeah. home. What's what's the thing? Stay home. Pet pet the NHS. Save lives. Yeah. That should be the end of the podcast. I think I'll say it again clearly. <laughs> Stay <laughs> home. Protect lives. No. <laughs> Just stay home. Stay home's stay nice home. and simple. Besides, stay we don't home. all have NHS. So not everybody's in the UK, you know. No, not everyone's lucky. Very that. true. For the moment, we have, I mean, we have we have national health service, but we don't call it that. That's all. No, um, America don't mean have a national health service. So, in the America, they do not have it. That's no, a big different thing. So, yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. Is. But yeah, thanks everyone for listening to us, and you can catch us again in a week or so when we do this all yeah. over. Take care. Wonderful. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
Bye. Bye, everyone. Anything to add, Luke?